Thank you for listening to this podcast by Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by a special guest speaker. Hey, good morning. I know, I'll explain why I'm standing down here in a second. <laughs> okay, so um, obviously you all know that I'm a college professor and I'm no pastor, but as an elder, I have some responsibilities in our church family and one of those is to help support our pastor when he's away, so you get me today. Um, so it's important that... <laughs> all right, that's funny. Okay, but it's important, but I want to stress is that I'm just one of you, you know, I'm not a pastor, I'm one of you, and that's why I'm standing down here today, because I'm a sister in Christ like the rest of you, and rather than preach, because I'm really no good at that, you know, I try really hard every day to be a Christ follower, and I fail miserably every day, just like most of us, but I'm really no good at preaching, so I'm going instead today invite you to share with me in a conversation. And much like I do with my students. So that means that there will be audience participation. So we'll just see how that goes. <laughs> okay. As I mentioned before, I teach 240 freshman students every Thursday morning. So this ought to be easy. <laughs> but I'm gonna be way outside the box now asking you to participate because that's something that we don't typically do, right? And, but even Presbyterians, we can you know, get away from all those really strict kind of traditions for just a minute. So today we're gonna to talk about something though that makes people squirm a little bit. And I think one of the things that we as Christians in general really tend to struggle with is the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think that's Christ's command to us, to go out and share the gospel, and it's one of the things that I think we struggle with the most. Whoops, I think we... I did practice this, I promise. Did we... Why is it skipping? There we go. Okay. So as any good college professor starting a lecture, I have to have objectives, <laughs> and they have to be measurable. So today, our objectives are, we're gonna define evangelism in biblical terms. What does that really mean? What does the Bible tell us that evangelism actually is? We're gonna discuss those, the barriers that we all have to that. Why don't we wanna share? And then we're going to identify some ways that we can effectively evangelize or spread the word of the Lord without driving people away. How do we do that? But don't you just love that three measurable goals? It makes me so happy. Okay, so here it goes. Just so you know, I wanted to also share that this was not my first um, choice of topics for today. When I agreed to share the message today, I had some other ideas in mind, but it's interesting that God was kind of nudging me, I think, in a way, um, because he kept putting people in my path and different conversations and situations over the last few months that, and it finally occurred to me, you know what? I think he really wants me to talk about this. This is what he had in mind. So I'm going to share with you today a few of the situations that I came across, and I'm going to ask you, as part of the audience partition, participation part, to um, help me figure out what were the best responses to those situations. And through that conversation, I think we can all kind of figure out what is the best way to actually witness for Christ. 
we can kind of figure that out together. So it was Christ's command that we go out and make disciples, and we talk about this here almost every Sunday in some form or fashion here at Stowe Press, and it's mentioned just about in every sermon. Um, our motto for many years was no show, grow, and go, and I think, I don't know if it still is, I'm not quite clear on that, but it's kind of morphed into, Pastor Bob's kind of always telling us, we are disciples making disciples, right? So the, but the bottom line is, regardless of what we call it, we are called to go, right? We're called to go and spread the gospel. That's our, that's our mission. That's the Great Commission. So why are we so reluctant to do that? Why is it so hard for us to share the good news? So this is the audience participation part. Um, but I will we'll ask you first, and then I'll tell you what. I polled 100 people, and I got the top five answers. <laughs> um, let's see, is this on? Oh, I just turned it off. Okay, is there anybody who would like to volunteer to say, this is what I do in my classes? Okay, anybody want to volunteer to say, why is it that we don't share? What is it that's so, what's the barriers? Does anybody have a, an idea? I might say that you, if I go up to somebody, will I be embarrassing them? Okay. I think that's something that maybe we think about. We don't want to put them on the spot. You don't want to embarrass them or make someone else uncomfortable? Makes a lot of sense. Anybody else have something? Rejection. rejection. You're afraid of being rejected. That's huge. Who, do, who wants that? Because then it's embarrassing for you, <laughs> too. We have to watch out in our self-righteous life. You know, we go up and we're saying that we don't look better than they are. Okay, that's an excellent point. Gosh, you guys are coming up with ideas I hadn't even thought of. This is awesome. Okay, Ralph. Fear of not being able to give the right answer. Fear of not knowing enough to give the right answers. Anybody else have anything? If I have doubts myself, how do I convince somebody else? There you go. That's, did you hear what she said? If she has doubts herself, how is she going to convince someone else? So my top four answers were, it's scary and weird. You know, sometimes it's like really off, awkward and strange to have to, you know, to want to share that information with someone, if you, particularly if you don't know them well. And like if, um, Sandy said, don't want to offend anyone. Some of us are in a work setting, we're afraid of losing our jobs. I mean, you know, I work at Kent State. Um, it's a state school, so we have to be very careful about the things that we say. We can't just go out there and proselytize. We're not allowed to do that. Um, and like Ralph mentioned, afraid we don't know enough that we're going to say the wrong thing. So let's talk about those excuses, I mean reasons, why, <laughs> why we don't share. Okay, so the formal term for spreading the word is evangelism. The word evangelism oftentimes evokes very strong reactions in people. Um, it's like the Oxford Dictionary defines it as uh, the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness or zealous advocacy of a cause. I think that zealous piece kind of gets us into trouble because I think some people think, you know, are, are put off by that kind of thing. But then Wikipedia, which of course is a very reliable source that we often use in college, <laughs> not. So if any of you are college students, no. <laughs> We're not allowed to use that. But and for expediency, sometimes I jump to that. But it says, in Christianity, evangelism is the commitment to our act of publicly preaching ministry of the gospel with the intention of spreading the message and teachings of Jesus Christ. 
Well, that doesn't seem so ominous. Actually, it seems kind of nice, right? We all love Jesus. This should be easy. It should be a piece of cake. We should be able to go out and just tell everyone about this. But the fact is, when we think of evangelism, I think a lot of people think about people knocking on doors with pamphlets and things like that, right? And that's, most of us don't respond well to that kind of an approach. But I'm here to tell you today that we can spread the word daily in our lives without really going out of our way to cr and crossing that line into scary weirdness that we talked about, right? We're not, we don't have to go there. There are ways that we can witness Christ without having to do that. And it's not surprising, I think, that we might be afraid. Um, I would argue that it's a legitimate fear at times. Our current society is not exactly welcoming of all Christians, is it? Sometimes it's just not. Um, because of that, I think most of us tend to keep our own company. We tend to hang out with people of like mind. We tend to not go places where we might be challenged in conversations. We don't take that extra step because it's much more comfortable to just sit back and hang out with people that think the same way we do, right? It's not easy to get out there and start talking about something that's, not, that's maybe uncomfortable. And not only that, what if we don't know what to say? What if we just don't even know what to do? Um, so one of my experiences that we have, Louie and I, um, we have a lot of friends who really don't understand our commitment to our faith. A lot of friends, people that we associate with almost on a weekly basis, people that we talk to all the time. One time, not that long ago, one of our friends in a conversation said, there you go with that Jesus stuff again. You know, and that, that's, that's for real exactly what he said. One of Lou's friends asked him not that long ago, why do you waste your time going to worship on Sunday and doing all the things you do for your church? Why do you even waste your time doing that? What is the point? And so Louis felt, Louis was then on the defensive in some respects. You know, he had to explain why he would do that. And this other person had, could not understand it. It was just way past what he could understand. One of my very best friends, I've been friends with her for, I'd say, 36 years, still to this day says that Jesus was here, but he was, you know, just a good guy. You know, he was on the planet, and he was a good guy, and he was a teacher and all that, but nothing more, nothing more than that. Others say that they don't need corporate worship to be a Christian, that whole Christian thing, that's good for you, but, you know, I don't really need that. I'm a good person. And that's really all that matters. As long as I'm good to others and everything like that, it's all good. I think I've probably, and most of you too, have probably heard every objection. You've heard all of these lines. One of the stories that's most difficult for me right now is my son. My son, Brian, um, I'm sure you, I've, you've, most, a lot of you have heard me talk about him. He's a base jumper and a skydiver. And uh, he said to me one day, Mom, you're one of the smartest people I know. Why in the world would you buy into that fantasy? So that's really tough because here's a kid that grew up in church. You know, he went to church with us. I, he went through catechism, you know, because we were Lutheran before. But he went through catechism and communion and all that kind of stuff. And then he went away to Iraq and he comes back an atheist. So we have these conversations and I said to him one day, I go, well, you know, because he is a base jumper, because you know what that is, buildings, antennas, span, earth, he jumps off of anything with a, par with a parachute, <laughs> but he just jumps. So he's a little wacky that way, but um, one of the things I said to him one day, I go, you know what, a few seconds before you hit the ground when that chute doesn't open, 
you'll be a believer. <laughs> but, but we'll come back to him in a minute. <laughs> okay. My daughter tells me, I only have two kids and I failed miserably, I, I guess, in this regard. My daughter tells me that she doesn't come to church and participate because, and I think she's a believer, but she doesn't come because she says the church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. And I say, and you know what my answer to that is? You're absolutely right. It's true. Every pew is full of hypocrites. <laughs> we are all sinners, right? And the, church is, and, and the church is full of them. And there's days when we do our best to, to be that Christ follower, but we don't all walk the walk every day. I know I don't, and I'm sure that many of you fail at that once in a while as well. Here's a conversation, when we talk about hypocrites, here's a conversation that I had a couple weeks ago. One of my good friends lives in Florida, and she was here visiting, and she is a newcomer to Christ. She was baptized about a year ago, and she goes to a mega church, non-denominational um, church down in Florida, and she loves it. And I was thrilled when I saw on Facebook and that that she was baptized and she was moving along in her faith journey. So then um, she said that she was telling me this story the other night, and she said, yeah, I missed several weeks in a row at church. And she goes, and one of my friends from church called me to see how I was doing. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's what we should be doing, checking up on our folks. So all, all's well so far, right? Well, Tina turns around and tells her, she was missing church because she's working two jobs. She's really busy. She's got all these things, yada, yada, yada. We've heard, you know, all these things. She just doesn't have time kind of thing. So her friend from church says to her, your priorities are completely messed up. You know what? You're probably going to go to hell. <laughs> I was aghast. I'm like, what? <laughs> For real? So I ask you, what was a better response? What should that person have said? Anybody got, what would you have said? If you were me sitting in that conversation with her, what would you have said? Kristen. Okay, try Bible study. If you can't get to worship service on Sunday, try Bible study. Okay, I love that. The church needs you too. Try, come when you can. How can I pray for you? That's an awesome answer. Mallory. Can I help you with anything? Yay, that's an awesome answer. Okay, so what did I say? I know I, I was like stunned, obviously, but um, I said, what I'm thinking is her friend missed a perfect opportunity to witness for Christ in that moment don't you think? Missed a perfect opportunity. She could have, um, that conversation should have gone so much differently. But basically, the bottom line is, Jesus loves us. He understands we're busy. He gets that. But he did command us to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, did he not? He did tell us that. So we have to find a way. So how can we do that? The conversation I, wanted, I was having with her is like, how can you do that and still balance all of the things that you have to do in your busy life schedule. But regardless, I think the bottom line was that she needed to re be reminded that Jesus loves you anyway. She needed that reassurance because she was feeling guilty then. So she really needed that reassurance. 
So what does the word say? If we go back to the word, which is where we should always go back when we have a question, um, Peter said, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I like the last part of that verse the most because I think we must model Christ-like behavior whenever possible. And if we do our best to love and respect others and tell the story, what better witness is that? So there, I, now we're gonna talk about the different ways that we can witness. And there are a whole bunch, and I'm probably gonna miss a whole bunch, but I'm just gonna talk about a few. The first one is that we can model that Christ-like behavior. A couple of weeks ago, another conversation, I was at a party at one of my good friends from high school, and there was a young man there about my son's age, and I can't, I can't remember how this came up in conversation because it's not something you just walk up to someone and say, say, hey, are you a Christian? Um, <laughs> we don't typically do that, particularly at parties, but for some reason, he told me that he was agnostic. And I said, wow, that's interesting. So why don't you tell me a little more about that? So he started talking and he was really open about it and he was a real nice kid and he was telling me all about it and he said, here's the thing. He goes, that Bible thing, it's like a big game of telephone. He said, you know, it's one person says it to the next person to the next person over time and before you know it, the message is all you know, messed up and it's just all peopled you know, and it's never garbled and it's not real. So when we get into a conversation like that, what should we say to someone who says the Bible isn't true? Because that's really the conversation we were having, right? He was telling me that the Bible was a bunch of garbage, that it wasn't true. It was written by men, and it wasn't true. So what can we do in that case? Anybody? It's inspired by the word of God. It's inspired by the word of God. How do you know that? <laughs> I'm sorry? God inspired the writer. Right. Right, he, he's inspired the writer. And he's there with him, you know? Yes. So the telephone is not a great analogy. <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. <laughs> the telephone, telephone game's not a good analogy because it's inspired by God. Right. Anybody else have something they want to add to that? But if you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in God, Okay, the Bible, she's saying that historically, the Bible was written in a, very, in a shorter period of time than many of the other historical documents that we have. Okay, anybody else? Mary Beth. Yes, so you're saying the older the Bible um, books or whatever have being translated are consistent. They're very consistent and no other book is. And no other book is. Right. Sam, did you want to add to that? I think our job is to lay the groundwork. It may not be exactly the commencement. It's just to put an idea in their head and lay the groundwork. You're stealing my thunder. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm just kidding, but you're exactly right. He's saying it's not our job to convince them. It's our job to lay the groundwork. How do you prove it's not true? Okay, Joe. And I think Lee Strobel is a good example of that. If anybody has seen the case for Christ, Lee Strobel was a, a reporter who, who tried to disprove the Bible and was unable to do it and ended up becoming a believer. So back to my story, what did I do at that time? I could have said to him, you know what, you're just wrong, right? Because some of us, do, sometimes that's the response, you're just wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. But instead, at that point, I treated him with respect and I said to him, you know what? I would urge you not to make a decision about your eternal life until you have all the facts. You know, and so then I said, when you talk about telephone, I said, I, I ask you to take some time to really look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at those. They're all written by different men, and they were all not sitting in a room together. Well, do you remember what happened on the mountain? Do you remember that? What, did you, what are you going to put down? They didn't do that. They were separate and they wrote their own stories. In fact, Luke wasn't even there, right? He interviewed people to get the story. So, and he wrote it down, but if you go back and look at those gospels, they're consistent. The, the major points, the things that were important, what Jesus said, all of those things across all four gospels are consistent. And those people didn't, they didn't work together on those. So, and I'd be willing to bet if something happened right outside in the parking lot today, and four of us were standing out there and somebody asked us for an account of what happened, they would all be different stories, right? Because we're human. And we remember and perceive and see things differently because we're human. <laughs> but since the Bible's the inspired word of God, those four chapters, those four books are consistent. So that's what I said to him. And then I gave him some books that we had out here. Why should I believe the Bible? Or I think there was one out there like that. And the other one was, why, where were you when that happened? Where was God when that happened? Because that was another conversation he had was why does God let bad things happen to good people? Which is something we wrestle with too. As Christians, we wrestle with that as well. So that's a really good question. Okay, the next thing we can do is pray. Prayer is like the best, right? So some of us are not out and about all the time meeting people and having the opportunities to witness to, for Christ, but we can pray. You know, if you can't get out and about, you can certainly pray. And that's kind of where I am with my son, Brian, you know, because I don't want to argue with him every day. That's going to drive him away. Arguing about it is not the answer. So we pray. When you meet somebody, ask them, how, and you ask them how they are, really listen. As a Christ follower, we should be listening. What if they tell you we're struggling or they're having troubles, right? And then you say, well, I'll pray for you. How many times you've heard that? I'll, I'll keep you in my prayers but do you? And I like Julie's answer the best. How can I pray for you? That's really what you should be saying when they're telling you that. And then do it, because prayer changes things. And so that's, we can witness for Christ daily through prayer. Lastly, through prayer, ask God to, shine, to, God to work through you, to shine a light 
on him so that you can tell the story and show others. Okay, the last way, tell the story. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, right? It's the easiest way to witness, I think, is just to tell the story. The good news, to Sam's point, thank you, <laughs> the good news is it's not up to us to convert people and bring them to Christ. That's not our job. That's a huge bird, way above our pay grade. That's not our job, right? We're responsible for telling the story that, and let the rest to God. He will do the work of opening their hearts to hear the word, right? That's not our job to do that. God's not keeping score. He's not sitting up there going, well, if you'd only said it better, if you'd only done this instead, then he probably would have accepted me. He's not doing that, right? That's not how God works. And I say, what a relief. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awful if it was our job and he was keeping score? Well, you know, you had these opportunities to, you know, to convert people and you didn't do it. You know, so, but he's not like that. That's not how it works. There is no failure when you're um, telling the story. The only failure that you can have is not trying. And you know what? There's no shame in saying, I'm not, I don't really know the answer to that question, but I'll find out and I'll get back to you. That gives you a lot of credibility. I do that with my students all the time. If you don't have an answer, that's okay. We are not called to be Bible scholars. There are people who do that. Bob, okay, we are not called to do that. We are called to be Bible sharers. That's all we can be asked to do. We can't know everything. It doesn't matter if you can't, you know, recite the appropriate scripture at the appropriate time. Um, all you have to do is be yourself and tell the story. And when you have seen God in action. And he, so this is our last audience participation question. And we're almost done. Anybody want to share a time when you, have, when you have seen God at work? When you know absolutely for sure it was him? Anybody have anything they want to share? Okay, she said she, she's quite certain that God pushed her to move because she's moving into a new place. And that was a difficult one. That was really hard because you've been in that house for a long time. So I have one that I can share. My friend Sherry, um, she's the one who has cancer, and we've been praying for her at church, and I thank you for that because it worked. Um, but anyway, Sherry's always been a believer. I've known her for... 36 years. She's always been a believer, but she's never been real active in her faith. But I talked to her on the phone the other day, and when she was released from the hospital from her most recent admission, and um, she said, she shared with me, she goes, you know, one day while I was at the hospital, she goes, I threw myself on the bathroom floor and prayed to God to help me, prayed to God to heal me. So she totally prostrated herself on the floor in total submission to Christ and asked for help. And the crazy thing is, her, her last MRI, there's no evidence of cancer. They don't see any. So we can't say she's out of the woods yet, but we certainly have a lot more hope than we had. So it's time that we move out of our comfort zone and share the good news. We're quick to share if we have a bad meal at a restaurant. We're quick to call our friends when we find a great deal at Mark's. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just run past you. 
Thank you. Louis. Yeah, Joe. Get home every day.
Duke. We're good. Okay, one more, and then we gotta. We'll be here till noon because we could talk all day. I'm here today with my husband because of God. He led me here through the pain, through the loss of life, the family, through every indecision that I didn't know what to make. I just listened, and he just guided me. And that's what you have to do when you don't know, and you know when you do something wrong because that's why you have a conscience, which is really a spirit. Well, we're all grateful for that. So, yeah. Okay, so thank you so much for sharing all these stories because that really is, that's the bottom line. We need to share stories. And like, I'm gonna have to back up for just one second. We have to move out of our comfort zone and we have to share that good news and tell these stories. We're quick to share when we get a good deal at Mark's, right? Or if, if, we, if we had a bad meal at a restaurant, we're happy to tell everyone about that. But why do we hesitate? when we have such good news to tell. I, don't, I know, know if you're um, familiar with Penn and Teller, um, but they are professed atheists. And um, Penn Jillette said that he doesn't have any kind of respect for Christians who don't proselytize. Because he said, if you know that you have the answer to eternal life and forgiveness, how much do you have to hate a person to not share that? And that makes a lot of sense to me. Out of love, out of Christian love, we, are, we need to be telling these stories. And yes, sharing these stories can be awkward, but you never know who needs to hear it. I don't believe in coincidence. I think as Christians, we don't. We believe in God's providence. And I believe God puts people in our path and puts us in their path for a reason, right? He has his reasons of why we are intersecting with people in our lives. And Jesus' story is one that's shared through relationships. So you have a story to tell. You all, several of you already shared this morning. And you telling that story to someone may be the difference about whether or not they search out Christ. It doesn't matter how much you know, how much you don't know, how messed up your life is, how great things are going. None of those things matter. As long as you share from your heart, from a place of love and concern, it's enough. Your words may be 
all that's needed to move them that one next step. You being in touch with them that day and sharing what you know about the, the joy of Jesus Christ may be that little nudge that they need to get where they need to go. We never know where we fit in the plan, and we're not going to know that, but all you have to do is be yourself, right? Be yourself and tell them who Jesus is and what he's done for you and what he's done for us as a, as a people. It's really a simple story. It's a very simple story. He's the son of God who suffered and died on the cross and rose again so that our sins can be forgiven and we could be granted eternal life with him. It's a short story, right? It's really a short story, but it is, as we know, the greatest story ever told. And sometimes all it takes is just that one awkward moment to share. So in lieu of our last song, um, we have a video, and it's a worship video from Casting Crowns that really is a very powerful um, video and song. And I think if you, if you know it, feel free to sing along. The lyrics will be on the screen, and it kind of just wraps up this whole message into one tight little package. So with that, thank you.